I love it when God uses people that aren't godly to speak truth. God even used a donkey one time, and that gives me hope that God can use me. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the author of Why Life Hurts and co-author of Evangelism Made Simple. I chuckle a little bit after I hear that opening quote uh, as God can use the donkey, God can use me. But that's actually really true. Hi, I'm Jim Scudder, and this is In Grace, and I hope that you can be used of God. Certainly, you can. Today, though, we're talking about uh, really uh, another sad event in the life of Christ. We're in his final few hours before the crucifixion. He had been in the upper room. He had washed the disciples' feet. He had predicted his betrayal and also his denial uh, then he had been teaching his, the 11, Judas had left the room, down through the Mount of Olives. He had been teaching his 11 disciples, Judas had left the room, uh, as he went from the upper room down through the old city area, down to the Kidron Valley, back up to the Mount of Olives and entered the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he sweat drops of blood for you and for me as he was uh, saying, not my will, but thine. Then he is arrested, he is betrayed by a kiss by Judas, and now he has been taken to a series of sham trials. And what we're going to talk about today first is not the trial itself. Jesus is now arrested, he is in Caiaphas' house, and we're going to talk, though, about a really sad thing, and that is a serious failure of one of the the inner circle. This is Peter, and unfortunately, Peter denied the Lord. Now, that tells me that you can deny the Lord and still be safe. Some people think, well, you know, there's certain ways you'll lose your salvation. One is if you, you know, commit a, a apostasy or you you have some sort of serious heresy or you deny him. Well, Listen, uh, I believe that when you receive an eternal pardon of forgiveness, you are forgiven. And there's nothing you can do that can undo that. We're born again. But can we do things that are still terrible? I think we can. Here's an example. Peter denied the Lord not once, not twice, but three times. So we're going to talk about that, his close friend's denial, and also a little bit about Jesus being led away to Caiaphas' house, the high priest, and there they uh, started to accuse Christ. The innocent, perfect, beautiful, incredible person was accused and falsely accused, but still convicted. So we're going to see that, and we're going to see that God is a God of forgiveness, a God of grace, and I hope that we never deny the Lord, but if we do fail him, uh, he is still faithful. And that's a wonderful reassurance to me and hopefully to you. Uh, right before we go into our study, the story of Jesus, let me remind you that we have a very special event coming up March 12th at the Quinton Road Baptist Church. Now, if you're in the Midwest and you'd like to come out to this, there's a free event where you can hear the 70th Secretary of State, the one responsible for so many good things for Israel, moving the embassy, the Abraham Accords. I believe he's a born-again believer and uh, really love 
Mike Pompeo. And if you'd like to come hear him, uh, he'll be speaking. I'll be interviewing him on stage. And that will be an In Grace episode. So even if you can't come to this, you're still going to be able to hear it and see it. So I just wanted to mention that to you. If you'd like to come, you can go to our website, ingraceradio.com, and click on the banner with Mike Pompeo and find out more information about that event. We also want to tell you that In Grace is also a television show. You can watch us for free anytime on our YouTube channel, where we have dozens and dozens of incredible episodes, some great content, lots of stuff in Israel, lots of stuff on creation, fun and in, in enlightening interviews with people like Charlie Duke, an astronaut, Alveda King, the niece of Martin Luther King. Uh, we've talked to Franklin Graham and other people. If you'd like to watch all of those for free, go to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search for In Grace, and we'd appreciate if you subscribe, maybe get the alerts and like the video. That would really help more people find out about about in grace. And then lastly, we're going to Alaska this summer. You're invited to come along and uh, we're going to do a cruise to Alaska, a creation cruise. Go to ingraceradio.com, click on travel. And while you're there, check out our Israel trip. We're actually in Israel right now. I'm not, but I'm pre-recording this because I'm in Israel, but we have another trip coming up in 2024 at the end of February. So check out our travel opportunities. We'd love for you to come along with us here at In Grace. I'm going to be speaking on a series that I've been speaking on for quite a while now. I didn't realize how long it would take me to get through the story of Jesus, the true story of Jesus. And we're on episode number 127. Of course, you know, you have four gospels to go through. We're going through chronologically. So pretty much everything in the Bible and the gospels that relate to Jesus' life, we've gone through. And we're, one of the things we're doing with this study is looking at the supposed contradictions. People will tell you, you cannot trust the Bible because of all the contradictions. If anyone ever says that to you, you can say, you know what, here's my Bible, can you show me one? They will not be able to show you one. And if they can, there's only a few that seem like contradictions. Some of them are in the Gospels. But every time we've come to one, it's, it's like kindergarten to explain that this person was pointing this out and just because they didn't mention that. For instance, if I said to you that I woke up, I had coffee, I got dressed and went to work, and I did more things than that, but I just didn't include it because of brevity of time or just doesn't matter. It doesn't mean I didn't do those other things. I just didn't, I didn't tell you about that. My wife might say, he woke up grumpy, uh, he stumbled to the bathroom. I mean, I'm not going to go into all the detail of what she would tell you, but believe me, there's a lot more that, that you can say about things. And so some author under the inspiration of God would say certain aspects. Some of them, uh, like, like what we're going to talk about today, all four gospels actually go into, into a lot of detail. And the reason is because we're getting into the very final few hours of Jesus life before his crucifixion. And so now we're getting a lot of detail, just almost second by second, we're getting all this information and it's really, really good. So I'm going to be talking about his close friend's denial today. And it's a story that really, it's sad to see, but it's also something that if you failed in your life, this story is going to give you hope. Okay. So it's actually uh, a sad story, but it's also a story of hope and forgiveness. 
and we're going to talk about this in just a moment. There's a story that's told when Lincoln's body was brought from Washington, D.C. to Illinois. He's buried here in Springfield. You all need to go see the Lincoln Museum. It's an incredible museum and his, his grave. But as they were bringing him uh, to Illinois on the train, they stopped in Albany, New York. They carried his body through the street, and people recount this episode happening. They said there was a black woman that stood on the curb and lifted up her little son as high as she could, reaching above the heads of the crowd, and was heard to say this to her little son. Take a long look, honey. He died for you. Okay? Today, as we study the true story of Jesus and his close friend's denial, we're reminded that we can tell anybody that we meet about Jesus and that he died for you. He died for you. Moments earlier from what we're about to read, Jesus had been praying in the Garden of Gethsemane Gethsemane means olive press. I was there last week, and I'm going to try to show you a little bit of detail about Jerusalem and Gethsemane and where all of this happened, and there he was arrested. So go up to the slide, show the slide. Those of you that are listening on radio, I apologize that you're not seeing the slide. I'll try to describe it. We have a view of Jerusalem. We're seeing basically a tight view of the old city. The old city is defined today by these walls that were built maybe uh, four or 500 years ago. And we're looking from the north to the south. So if you want to try to get your bearings, those of you that have been to Israel, you know where the Damascus Gate is, Herod's Gate are the two gates on the uh, north side of the city. Obviously, it's the gate that takes you on the road to uh, Damascus, so that's why they would call it that. And then on the, the southeast corner, you see this complex here. Uh, for the first time in probably 30 years, I was able to go into the Dome of the Rock, go underneath the Dome of the Rock in a cave, and go in, I think for the first time in my life, into the Al-Aqsa Mosque as we're doing the story about rebuilding the Jewish temple, we got special permission to go into these places, and we actually did a little filming in there that will be coming out on some In Grace episodes. So just to the east, so this is east right here, you have the Kidron Valley, and then you have the Mount of Olives. And just on the, the very bottom of the hill, there's still a garden today with olive trees that is called the Garden of Gethsemane. How many of you have been to Israel? A lot of you have been there. If you haven't been there, you've got to go to Israel. The Bible that you love, that you've read, that you've studied will just pop. It, it, things will just really start to click in a new way if you can get to Israel. And what we're going to talk about a little bit today is the story of Jesus' arrest here in Gethsemane. And then he's led, possibly, we don't know exact locations, but this is where we go to view Caiaphas' house. Okay, and, and this is a, a ruin today, an actual a place today with a church, but they have, below the church, they have a dungeon. And if it's not the place, it certainly looks a lot like what that would have been. And there's an actual old Roman pathway, old Roman road that goes down this hill with old Roman steps. And, and I believe that's where Jesus was led from Gethsemane up to Caiaphas' house. So that'll give you a little bit of a layout geographically uh, to try to help you understand all of the scenario that we're going to be going through today. 
So what we're gonna do is follow Matthew's account. Now you can read this story of Peter's denial of Christ in all the gospels. And again, not every Bible story is it, some, sometimes it's in one, sometimes two, sometimes three, but we have the jackpot. We get all four gospels giving us this account. We're gonna primarily go through Matthew's account and I'm going to add in some of the other details that the other gospels give. Matthew 26, 57 says this, and they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Now, this is interesting because one of the so-called contradictions that people point out in the Bible is John actually tells us that they took Jesus first to Annas, the high priest, and then they took him to Caiaphas. And they say, well, then Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't include that, so they're wrong. There's a contradiction here. Okay, so here's, here's what I have to say. First of all, who is this Annas? He actually is what I would call the temple godfather. He is the father-in-law of Caiaphas. He's been removed from the high priest position by Rome, but he still holds the power. It's kind of like a pastor that has been the pastor of a church for many, many years, or the founding pastor, and you know, they, they retire, but they stay in the church. And, and most of the time, unintentionally, there's some, some issues with that, right? Because people keep going to the, the guy, right? The guy that they've always gone to. And, and, and there's a little bit of a rub. My, my dad said, I'm not gonna let that happen. And when he retired, he moved away. Not to say he never came back. He was here. We loved him. We wanted him here. But him and mom moved away. And I didn't realize how hard that was on him until he died. And then we start to realize how important this ministry was because they started it. And, and now I understand what a sacrifice that was for him. Well, this is a whole different scenario because Annas and Caiaphas, his son-in-law, weren't godly people at all. They were power-hungry, used in religion as a tool to control and to make themselves rich. For sure. So if John says they went to Annas and then they went to Caiaphas, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke says they went to Caiaphas, is there a contradiction? Again, I say no. I think if Matthew, Mark, and Luke had said they went from the Garden of Gethsemane and they first went to Caiaphas, then we would have a contradiction. It doesn't say that. It just doesn't include Annas because it was a kind of a side trip. Where would you go first if you're going to try to uh, take this one that you feel is, is uh, well, first of all, he's, he's calling you out. He, what did he say to the religious Jews of the day? He called them empty sepulchers, whited sepulchers. You're all white and, and nice on the outside, but inside you're full of dead man's bones. I'm sure they love that. Pit of vipers. We can go on through the list of things that he said. So they're very angry with Jesus and they're gonna take him to the godfather of the temple first and then take him to the one that really holds the office but he really doesn't have any, any power and any control. No contradiction, just John includes that, the others don't, okay? John also tells us that when they got to Caiaphas, Caiaphas said something prophetic and you can look this up later and read John's account. Caiaphas said to the assembled Jews, it was expedient for one man to die for the people. Isn't that incredible? Because that's exactly what Jesus 
came to do. There would be only one person that could be the sacrifice for the people, and that was God in the flesh. He was human in every way except he didn't sin. He didn't have the sin nature. And therefore, his sacrifice, his death on the cross, would be one that can pay for the sin of the world. I love it when God uses people that aren't godly to speak truth. And I think God even used a donkey one time. And that gives me hope that God can use me. You're listening to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. Are you interested in the end times prophecy of the rebuilding of the Jewish temple? Then you need to watch In Grace's new video series, The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. Jim Scudder, Jr. will take you to amazing sites like the Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock, and the land on the Mount of Olives purchased for the sacrifice of the red heifer. Jim Scudder has exclusive interviews with experts and people involved in rebuilding the temple. This new series will be yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount to In Grace. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to witness prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes and see how all of this impacts our world today. When your gift is $35 or more, Jim Scudder will also send you an incredible eight-part video series called Armageddon's Dawn and a beautiful End Times Prophecy Chart. Don't wait. Get this video series today to order the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple. Call now, 800-78-GRACE, or order on our secure website, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Matthew 26, 58, but Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's place and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Let me ask you a question, especially you teenagers. Did Peter do the right thing? Did Peter do the right thing? Should he have been following afar off? I used to think that all the men fleeing was cowardly. But then I started to realize that Jesus kind of told them to leave. Why? Because he came to die. He didn't It wasn't God's plan for there to be 13 crosses on Calvary. This wasn't the time for the disciples to be killed by crucifixion. Now, if Jesus hadn't healed the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest that Peter cut the ear off, there probably would have been another cross, a fourth cross on the hill because Peter certainly probably would have been crucified, but Jesus healed the ear And then they all fled. That was prophetic that they fled, right? So was it wrong for Peter to follow afar off? I actually think that it was not in God's will that he'd do this. You say, well, it's courageous or it shows his love. And it does. I'm not saying that that God was upset about it. I'm saying that when we don't obey the Lord exactly as he gives us instructions, we're setting ourselves up for temptation and failure. I know for sure if Peter hadn't been in this situation, he wouldn't have denied Jesus. Okay? So just keep that in mind. Now, John also tells us that there was another disciple that went in with Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Because you have Peter following afar off, but he doesn't go in. He's sitting outside by the fire with the servants while all of the the important people are inside. But but John says there's a, a, a disciple went in. So who is this disciple? Some people think maybe it's John. But remember, these were fishermen from Galilee. 
They're not going to, and, and, maybe, and maybe there's some connections we don't understand and we don't know about, but they're not going to be able to go into such a, such a place. They wouldn't have that invitation. So who is this disciple? I, I personally don't think it was one of the 12. My opinion is it was probably a secret disciple like Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea. Somebody went in with, that would be allowed into that circle of leaders and he was there to observe the thing. So we don't know exactly who that was, but John does give us that little detail. But from here on, what we're seeing is a jurisdiction ping pong. Have you ever seen a jurisdiction battle? You know, you arrive on the scene, there's a crime, and you have the, the sheriff, you have the, the city police, you have the FBI, and they're all fighting on who's in charge of the, the scene, right? The religious Jews want Jesus dead, but they don't have the authority to do this. So they defer, uh, Caiaphas defers to the Sanhedrin. They defer to Pilate. Pilate defers to Herod. I mean, it's crazy. And Herod kicks it back to Pilate. So ultimately, Pilate has to be the one to declare Jesus to be crucified. But you see all of these things happening. A lot of uh, political things are happening behind the scenes in this story. A lot of intrigue. And I find that very interesting. As we go through the trials of Jesus, and we're going to be doing this over the next several weeks, uh, what we're going to see is that there were three stages of the Jewish trial before the religious courts, and then we're going to, th we're going to see three stages of the Roman trial before the Roman courts. So you're going to see si basically six times where Jesus is going to be on trial. And one person made these observations. Uh, he said, there were several illegalities involved in these trials from the perspective of Jewish law. Wouldn't you think if you're going to accuse this perfect one that we know as the Son of God, that you would do things properly according to Jewish law? But if you were doing things properly according to Jewish law, you couldn't convict him if he's perfect, right? So they couldn't do things properly, so they had to do things illegally. They're breaking the law in all of these trials. In what way? Well, number one, no trial could be held during feast time. And they're gonna hold this trial during Passover. Number two, each member of the court was to vote individually to convict or acquit, but when they, when they uh, voiced their, uh, their anger against Jesus, they did it by acclamation. They all said, let him be crucified, and that's illegal. That's not something that was part of Jewish law. Number three, if the death penalty was given, a night must pass before the sentence was carried out. Was there a night that passed before the sentence was carried out? No, they carried it out that same day. Illegal, illegal. Number four, the Jews had no authority to execute anyone, but yet they still made it happen. Number five, no trial was to be held at night, but they did hold trials before dawn. Number six, the accused was to be given counsel or representation. Did Jesus have that? No. That was illegal. Number seven, the accused was not to be asked self-incriminating questions, but we're going to get to that in a minute. Jesus was asked if he was the Christ, and that's a self-incriminating question, illegal. So the, the Jewish people, and I'm not here to condemn Jewish people, certainly not. We're to bring the gospel to them. We're to love them. But all of these things happened. These people that were supposed to be protecting the law broke the law in all of these ways to convict Jesus of crimes he did not commit. 
We'll talk more about this and the denial of Peter tomorrow. And I hope that you and I can find out that God is a God of grace and mercy. And even when we mess up, he is faithful. Right before we go though, let me tell you that we have a brand new video series that I would love for you to get. I think this will really encourage you and help you learn more about Bible prophecy. It's called The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. We had some great access to the red heifers that just went to Israel, to some people that are really involved in making sure the temple is going to be rebuilt. We know the Bible predicts it, and I'd love for you to get this. If you make a gift of any amount to In Grace, I'll send this to you as a thank you, either by DVD or digital download. And if your gift is $35 or more, we're going to send you our eight-part prophecy series, Armageddon's Dawn and the Prophecy Chart. As a thank you for your gift of any amount, Jim Scudder will send you the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple when your gift is $35 or more. He will also send you his eight-part video series, Armageddon's Dawn, and a beautiful end times prophecy chart. Order the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple by calling 800-78-GRACE. Go to our secure website, ingraceradio.com, or write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.